Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I would now like to speak directly to every woman to reflect with her on the problems and the prospects of what it means to be a woman in our time. In particular, I wish to consider the essential issue of the dignity and rights of women as seen in the light of the word of God. This dialogue really needs to begin with a word of thanks. As I wrote in my apostolic letter, Mulieris Dignitatem, The Church desires to give thanks to the Most Holy Trinity for the mystery of woman, and for every woman for all that constitutes the eternal measure of her feminine dignity, for the great works of God, which throughout human history have been accomplished in and through her. This word of thanks to the Lord for his mysterious plan regarding the vocation and mission of women in the world is at the same time a concrete and direct word of thanks to women, to every woman, for all that they represent in the life of humanity. Thank you, women who are mothers. You have sheltered human beings within yourselves in a unique experience of joy and travail. This experience makes you become God's own smile upon the newborn child the one who guides your child's first steps, who helps it to grow, and who is the anchor as the child makes its way along the journey of life. Thank you, women who are wives. You irrevocably join your future to that of your husbands in a relationship of mutual giving at the service of love and life. Thank you, women who are daughters and women who are sisters. Into the heart of the family, and then of all society, you bring the richness of your sensitivity, your intuitiveness, your generosity and fidelity. Thank you, women who work. You are present and active in every area of life, social, economic, cultural, artistic and political. In this way, you make an indispensable contribution to the growth of a culture which unites reason and feeling, to a model of life ever open to the sense of mystery, the establishment of economic and political structures ever more worthy of humanity. Thank you, consecrated women. Following the example of the greatest of women, the mother of Jesus Christ, the incarnate word, you open yourselves with obedience and fidelity to the gift of God's love. You help the church and all mankind to experience a spousal relationship to God 
one which magnificently expresses the fellowship which God wishes to establish with his creatures. Thank you, every woman, for the simple fact of being a woman. Through the insight which is so much a part of your womanhood, you enrich the world's understanding and help to make human relations more honest and authentic. Hello, and welcome to this fourth season of The Other Half. Episode 4.1, Popess's Female Power and the Papacy. In 1995, on the eve of the fourth United Nations Conference on Women, the then Pope John Paul II released a letter to women. Over the course of around 4,000 words, the Holy Father wrote about his view on the dignity and importance of women in the church and society at large. He talks about the importance of equality, or unijuality as he calls it, between men and women, and the female genius, through the example of the Virgin Mary, and of women ordinary and famous throughout history. But he started the letter, much like a good groom's speech at a wedding, with a series of thank yous, which I began this episode with. It was all rather lovely, I'm sure you'd agree, but it does portray a rather patriarchal attitude. If you recall, he places right at the top of this list a woman's role as a mother, then as a wife, then as family members, and only then recognising their role in society as workers or as members of the church. That is an attitude right out of the Middle Ages, but it's perhaps not entirely surprising, coming from a man who rules over a church and a country wholly dominated by men, and has been so for hundreds and hundreds of years. The Roman Catholic Church is one of the few Christian denominations that still deny women any role as clerics. And while around 10% of the people living and working in the Vatican are women, almost none have jobs above a relatively junior level, with most being housekeepers, secretaries, translators or lawyers. As an institution, the papacy has been at the centre of European and indeed world politics ever since it was established, with its power peaking in the high Middle Ages. Popes have declared war on empires and brought kings and emperors to their knees. They claim to be God's representative on earth, following in the footsteps of Jesus' apostles. And yet when one looks at their stories we see that papal ranks are populated with as many scoundrels as saints. There's the infamous Borgia Pope Alexander VI, who bumped off many of his rivals, knocked up many a mistress during his papal career. There's the teenage John XII, who ran his papal court like a frat house, while the ruler Benedict IX was described as being, quote, so vile, so foul, so inexorable that I shudder to think of it. All the popes have, of course, been men, and this rule goes right back to the beginning. According to Christian tradition, Jesus Christ chose 12 men to be his apostles, and they, in turn, chose men to continue their ministry. 
In the Roman Catholic tradition, that means that only men can be ordained as priests, bishops, and of course, popes. So from Peter to Francis and the 260-odd men in between, it's been a chorus of men who have been chosen to serve as pope. And chosen is the operative word, because unlike kings, popes are not born to their predecessors, or at least they're not supposed to be. Celibacy in the priesthood has not been a hard and fast rule for the entire history of the papacy. Indeed, it's only been required of clerics since the 12th century. According to St. Paul, all of Jesus' apostles were married, and celibacy was considered very unusual of any contemporary faith at the time of Jesus. It's hard to know for sure what the practices of the earliest Christian priests were, since their activities were often persecuted under Roman law, and therefore conducted in secret. Among some of the early church synods held in the 4th century, there were some rulings on the celibacy of priests, but this doesn't seem to have stopped clerical marriage throughout the late antiquity and early medieval periods. It was not until the papacy of Gregory VII in the late 11th century that a pope really began to crack down on priests marrying and having children. And it's really from him that we have the tradition of the celibacy of priests and popes. So, we have an institution from which women are specifically excluded and men who are expressly banned from marrying or having any relations with women in an already incredibly patriarchal world. How, then, can this series even existed? How could any woman have got anywhere near the levers of power in the Vatican? Well, because, of course, men are men and women are women. Popes may claim to be holier than thou, but history shows us that they are just as weak as the rest of us, just as susceptible to flattery, bribery, and sexual attraction, just as amenable to plots of mutual advantage, of susceptibility to threats of violence, and just as willing to make alliances of mutual benefit. To paraphrase Lionel Richie, women, much like love, will find a way. So who are these women that will be the subjects of this fourth season of the podcast? Well, they are a motley bunch that cover a period between the 9th and 20th centuries. Most of them were Italian, which is unsurprising, as that's where almost all the popes were based. Most of them are of noble blood, and indeed some are of papal blood. And again, that's not all that surprising. But what is interesting, and perhaps a little surprising, is the different ways in which they interacted with papal power, and what they did with their time in the spotlight. From mistresses to nuns, queens to children of low birth, they run the gamut. We have Maurizia, the alleged mistress of one pope and mother of another, who acted like the head of a mafia crime family, dominating Rome for decades before being brought down by the angry citizens of the Eternal City. Then there's Catherine of Siena, who persuaded a pope to end the Western Schism and return the papacy to Rome after its sabbatical in Avignon. And, of course, I can't leave out historical fiction's favourite femme fatale, Lucrezia Borgia, whose real life is far more complex and tragic than her reputation would suggest. Those are just three of the ten women that I will be covering over the next few months. 
And of course, there will be special episodes dotted in as well. But before we get into the lives of these fascinating women, we need a little more context on popes and the papacy. What was it? Who were they? What did they do and how did they do it? Well, of course, we'll need another episode to sort out those questions, and I won't be doing it alone. So, in the next episode, I'll be joined by a real papal expert, Bree Jensen of the Fantastic Pontifact podcast. She describes her show as a light-hearted, only slightly blasphemous papal historical podcast that ranks popes according to its own unique criteria to find the, quote, popiest poped that ever poped. It will be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to share it with you. But, until then, thanks for joining me on this new journey. Stay safe out there, and I'll be back in two weeks. See ya! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.